Coming up on the Rami Lavi podcast, it is a buzz in the Bronx as Aaron Judge is trying to get 61 home runs, the first time anyone has done that in the American League since Roger Maris. He is also now leading in all three triple crown categories, but will teams continue to pitch around him? Also, we recapped Thursday night football and previewed all the Sunday night games, including my picks for the Sunday games. All that and more coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I often talk on this podcast about breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. So if you're feeling stressed, depressed, or just want to talk, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed, experienced therapist online, and you have access to over 20,000 different therapists that you may not have access to in your area. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire, and 48 hours later, you're set up with a therapist that fits your needs. You can then schedule video or phone calls and have access to unlimited messages back and forth with your experienced therapist. You can also change to a new therapist at any time with no extra charge. I often talk on this podcast about how perspective is anything, and that's something I learned in therapy. I had terrible anxiety, and I learned about how changing your perspective can change the reality. So take charge of your mental health and join the over 2 million people who already use BetterHelp for therapy online today. And if you use my code, you can get an extra 10% off on your first month. So go to betterhelp.com Rami for 10% off. That's B-E-T-T-E-R help h-e-l-p dot com slash rami for 10% off your first month do it today episode 97 of the rami la v podcast it is presented as always by BetterHelp. use my name r-a-m-i first name to get 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com Okay, so it's Thursday night, early Friday morning here, and we just had a Thursday night football game, and normally that would be the lead on the podcast, that would be the lead on the episode, and that kind of makes sense, right? We're talking about Thursday night football, that's the biggest news usually, and like I said, this basically becomes a football podcast from September through February, but something changed. Aaron Judge and what he's doing, chasing history, has become the lead story everywhere, whether it's cut-ins on ESPN or MLB Network across the country obviously today's game was on Fox and it was everywhere Um, this is the lead story in the country right now I was lucky enough to be in the building and I talked about it at length on the last episode obviously I was lucky enough to be in the building to watch him hit 60 the other night now across the country people are going to try and see him as often as possible as many times as possible and people want to see him hit 61. And tonight's game is going to be on Apple TV+. Plus. Now, the S Network tried to make a deal with Apple TV, with Major League Baseball, to get that game back from Apple TV. But Apple TV made the deal with Major League Baseball to get baseball games every year. For reasons like this, there's a reason why they chose a game late in the year against the Red Sox, between the Red Sox and the Yankees. The reason they did that was for a moment like this. They hoped and prayed for a moment like this, and they got exactly what they were looking for because everyone's going to be tuning in. And let me tell you, the broadcast, it might be awful to listen to, but still that crew is going to get an opportunity to call one of the most historic things that's happened in baseball over the last century. And yet what's more amazing is not what Aaron Judge is going to be doing in the next couple of days and what he has a chance to do on a nightly basis, whether it's hitting 60, hitting 61, But Aaron Judge is also on Triple Crown Watch, and I talked about this briefly on the last episode. But Aaron Judge is 
leading the American League in batting average, home runs, and RBIs. He's going to run away with the home run and RBI lead. But he's also going to really make a race at the batting average lead. And Aaron Judge is going to continue to get walked, and they're going to continue to boo at Yankee Stadium like we saw he was walked by the Red Sox three times tonight, not throwing a lot of fastballs at all. He missed a couple of them where he fouled back. But Aaron Judge over the last 20 games is batting nearly 500. And we talked about on last episode how unnatural that is. This guy was batting 294 earlier this month. On September 2nd, Aaron Judge was batting 294. And today he's batting 317. That kind of leap in a batting average isn't normal when you aren't chasing a batting title. The fact that he took that leap in his batting average has gone up that much while he's chasing a batting title... That's insanity from Aaron Judge. Like I said, what he's doing right now is not normal. What he's doing right now is out of the realm of normality and what's supposed to be humanly possible for an athlete to do. And that's why it is so impressive. And that's why it is the lead story. And so when he hits a ball that looks like it's going to the moon in the bottom of the ninth for a walk-off home run to tie Maris at 61... And everyone's holding their breath. And good job by the broadcaster to wait, compose himself. Both John Sterling and the Fox guy were able to compose themselves and be like, wait, no, that's not out. Because off the bat, that looked like it was out. And shame on that cameraman. He needs to be arrested immediately. Because if you were watching that game at home on TV, the camera shoots up and it looks like that ball is to the moon. I thought that ball was going to hit the scoreboard. That's how far it looked like that ball was hit. And the camera pans down. The outfielder's waiting there in center field, and it comes down a few feet from the wall. 113 miles an hour off the bat, 414 feet, just missed a home run. Would have been a home run, I think, in eight of the major league ballparks. And Aaron Judge was that close to hitting 61 as a walk-off home run. Which, by the way, would have been interesting, because then what happens? Like, do the Red Sox stay and cheer for him? Is like You still don't have that moment on the field that we talked about that he didn't really get in the other game. Because he wound up, they were down so many runs. But here we sit, and it's going to be must-watch. And while Thursday Night Football may have been the lead story tonight for some, for me, I'll be honest, I had Thursday Night Football up on my laptop. And it helps that it's a streaming service. But on the big TV, on the big screen, was Aaron Judge and the Yankees and the Red Sox. And I wasn't going to be tuning in and out every time Judge had an at-bat. Once it was on, that was on. And the buzz in the ballpark, it feels like a playoff game. And I talked about this a little bit on last episode also where I felt like I'm not really going to go back to Yankee Stadium. It kind of loses its luster during the regular season. But now I kind of have changed my mind. The Yankees win the last three games, albeit not against playoff teams in Pittsburgh and the Red Sox. But these Yankee games have a buzz to it. They feel like playoff games. And by the way, the Yankees have gotten up for these games. Whether it's the huge comeback, obviously, on Tuesday night when I was there. Whether it's the blowout on Wednesday night. Or it's the Yankees being down late and coming back, tying the game, and then winning in walk-off fashion with Josh Donaldson tonight on Thursday night. The Yankees are getting up for these games because they feel like they're bigger. And that kind of gives me hope for the playoffs. That feels like the stadium's going to be rocking. The team's going to be getting up. And all of a sudden, all the problems and the struggles and the problems that are still happening with the bullpen. Wendy Peralta went on the IL. Clark Schmidt, who's been money good, blew this game. All the different things that are happening with this bullpen, with this team right now, it feels like we can overcome it and maybe still make a run in the playoffs If the stadium's rocking like it is, if Aaron Judge is as locked in as he is, if Stanton gets locked in and the players get up for these moments, especially a guy like Labor Torres also, don't forget him, then 
this could actually be a special season again for the Yankees. And for about three months there, it didn't feel like this season was going to go anywhere despite a historic start to the season. So the fact that we're coming back around and it looks like this season's going to straighten itself out and then the playoffs, this team might make a run. I'm really excited to see that. Before we get to Thursday Night Football, there are also a couple other stories in the NBA that I'm going to hit on. And then we're going to do Thursday Night Football, and then we'll talk about um, the games on Sunday. We'll we'll pick the games, obviously. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, I feel like, because last episode was over an hour, almost an hour and ten minutes. So it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, but I will warn you now, the next episode is not going to be till Wednesday. Uh, with the high holidays coming up, the Jewish holidays coming up, I will be off on Sunday night. I'll be working Sunday in the studio, and then I won't have time to record after the Sunday game. So I'll watch all the games, and then uh, it's going to be um, the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. So I'm going to be there, <laughs> and then uh, I'll record again on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, I guess, uh, which is when I normally would record a new podcast. So I mentioned there are three stories in the NBA. We don't often get stories in the NBA around this time of year, but as we're closing in on training camp, the punishment came out for Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, for his mistreatment in the workplace. And it comes out and he decides, you know what? I'm not going to deal with this. I'm going to sell the team. And this is a huge win for Suns fans. Not only because, yes, justice and all that stuff, which is great. I don't know what really happened, but... Seems like he wasn't a great dude, but this was a bad owner. It was a cheap owner. He's going to be fine. He's going to make a lot of money and walk away from the NBA. He has no problem with it. Trust me, he's fine. But he was a guy who was getting ripped in the media as it is, as one of the worst owners in the league. I don't think anyone's going to miss him. He'll be walking away a lot richer than he is today with that asset and the growing asset that is NBA and professional sports teams. He'll be walking away pretty happy. And by the way, Suns fans rejoice because that means you're never going to have stories again about potentially losing a guy like DeAndre Ayton because your owner's cheap. DeAndre Ayton will be a meaningful part of this team going forward. They're going to try and build a champion out there. And for Chris Paul trying to salvage the last little bit of his career, see if he can win a title on the back nine, I think that's huge for him that this owner is leaving. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, they can get some reinforcement on that team and try and run it back and try and actually get over the hump and win a championship now out there in Phoenix. That's the first story. The second story was so comical, but I heard people talking about it. So LeBron posted a picture of himself with like a bald filter. And this is how you know, like the NBA is just searching for things to talk about. And I think I heard someone, it may have been on Barstool's podcast or on, uh, <laughs> or even on WFAN, Craig may have, may have said it because it's funny. He says it, even though he's making fun of the national shows when he has a national show himself, but I appreciate him being able to laugh about himself. He's like, yeah, I talk about the Cowboys for three segments a day because it's in my contract, stuff like that. Um, but I guess that's what does numbers. Maybe I should start talking about the Cowboys more. Um, just kidding. But there was an actual tweet from Skip Bayless that said, coming up next, is LeBron James actually bald? Next on, on, on Undisputed. Like, that's how pathetic these national shows are. It was clearly a, a, like a Photoshop. And even if it wasn't, why is that a topic that we talk about in Sports Talk Radio if LeBron James is bald or not? And they did a full segment on it. And it's so funny because Skip Bayless wrote it on Twitter. And it looked like it was somebody trolling, pretending to be Skip Bayless and trolling him. But it was actual Skip Bayless from his actual account. And they actually talked about it on Undisputed. It's amazing that LeBron James can move his finger and the media 
bows down to him like that. It's so funny. And I think, honestly, like Skip Bayless, I didn't watch the segment, trust me, but he was probably saying, oh, he's trying to be like Michael, and he's trying to be like Kobe. He'll never be those guys, or whatever, if he's a LeBron guy. Then he said, "He's you see, he's owning it. He's owning the fact that he's bald. Whatever your opinion is, you just fit it into the narrative, and you move right along as long as you talk about it to get the clicks, to get the views. But it's so funny how these shows have become a caricature of themselves. And... I hear this a lot about Colin Coward. I don't know this about Stephen A. to be true. I don't know this to be true about um, Skip Bayless either. But I hear this a lot about Colin Coward that he knows that he's a caricature on TV. And once he, the cameras are off, he's not like playing to you. He's, he, he actually talks to you and treats you like a human being. He's not making analogies and going, whatever. He, I, can't, I didn't think of anything soon enough. So sorry, I'm not going to do a Colin imitation analogy. But um, I think that it's funny when they're caricatures on TV. A guy like Colin Cowherd, he knows what he's doing, and he knows that it plays, and he makes money off of it, so he plays the role on TV, on his podcast, when he's doing it on social media. He's playing a, a, like, a, like a caricature. And I think to an extent, Skip and Stephen A. know the same thing on their respective shows, on still on ESPN for Stephen A., but Skip's on Undisputed now on Fox Sports. But I think a little bit of them have lost themselves, and they actually believe the things they say, like... What Stephen A. said about Ime Udoka, which is the next topic. Ime Udoka is in a really weird situation as it started with an Adrian Wojnarowski tweet and then continued late last night with a Shams report. And it was super vague and no one knew what was going on. All of a sudden, it's like there's going to be some discipline for Ime Udoka. It's like, why is there discipline for Ime Udoka? He might be out for the year. He might be fired. It's a suspension. We don't know. And it's going round and around. And we don't know what happened. But it seems like he had a consensual uh, relationship with someone. We don't really know who. A staffer on the Celtics, whatever that might mean. And he's suspended for a full year by the Celtics? I'm sorry. There's more to this story that we don't know. And I'm sure news is going to come out. But there's rumors it was someone in upper management's wife. There are rumors that it was someone who answers directly to him. Now, if it's someone who answers directly to him, there is no scenario where you can sleep with someone who is your employee and answers to you, that's okay. Especially if it's not disclosed, unless it's your wife or your girlfriend. There is no scenario that that is okay because you're using your power. That's abuse of power, right? If you're, If she's currying favor, if she's advancing in her career because of you and i'm not saying this is the case i don't know but i think it's very vague and i think in that scenario that would make sense that he suspended for a year if it was brad steven's wife it was if, if it was someone in upper management's wife oh yeah that makes sense how can you allow that toxicity if that's a word to go around in your building that trickles down this is the guy who's supposed to be the leader of men who's supposed to be leading by example for your team but something fishy is going on here and we're gonna have to figure out what the details are but what's definitely not going on is what Stephen A. said. Stephen A. is like, if this was a white guy, he wouldn't be suspended. Really, Stephen A.? I mean, how cla- – like, I could have wrote that tweet from Stephen A.'s account, and it would have been believable because it's a, he's become a caricature of himself. And when you do that, it makes what you're saying just lose all its power and lose everything that you're trying to portray because all of a sudden you just seem fake and it, everything you just said seems like – it's ingenuine. And if you're ingenuine, then your points are totally lost and your points are brought down to nothing. And so, Stephen A. Smith, you're ruining your own point 
by making a point this bad because I believe that he is a great voice for a community that sometimes needs a voice with power. But if you're using it in a situation like this, once you start to abuse that voice, then your voice kind of gets minimized. And that's a shame. I wouldn't want that to happen for Stephen A. And for the community that he's trying so hard to represent, whether they want it or not, he feels that he has a responsibility. Like I said, this is something that I do for myself, for my community. When I have a voice, I try and be a voice for my people because if I have a voice, if I can talk, then great. But Stephen A. Smith, be careful with that. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. He's not listening anyway. But don't become a caricature of yourself. It all of a sudden loses the entire intention that you're trying to place. Now, as far as what's going to happen with the Celtics, the interim head coach is Joe Mazzala. Has anyone heard of him? No. But how many assistant coaches have you heard of on different NBA staffs? Not many. So he's going to be the assistant head coach for now. He's going to be the interim head coach. If I had to make a prediction, is it going to be by January that Brad Stevens is back behind the bench? Now, this is only a year ago Brad Stevens was the head coach of this team. He goes into a front office role. They get Ime Odoka. They go to the finals. Everything improves. All of a sudden, this team takes a huge step with Ime Odoka behind the bench. Although it didn't happen right away. Remember, they were really bad to start the season, and then things straightened out for them. But Brad Stevens right now is not that far away from being a head coach. He's familiar with these guys. He's coached these guys in the past. And if things start going sideways for a team that was in the finals last year, if things start going sideways because of this situation, I bet you Brad Stevens is behind the bench by mid-January. All right, let's go to football because that's what I want to talk about. That's what I'm here to talk about. And it starts with Thursday night football. And tonight, I think the most predictable missed field goal ever was the Boswell missed field goal in the first. It's a game that goes back and forth. It's a slot fest early on. The over-under, like I said, was 38 points. I didn't bet the over-under because I was like, I don't know, 38's really low, but I really do think the under is going to hit. But they missed that field goal. The Browns obviously miss another extra point with Cade York, which is just, at this point, it's crazy. There's a guy who we know he has the capability to hit them from 60, but this is back-to-back weeks where he's missing an extra point. I think the biggest story from this game is the Pickens catch. But like I said, this game was on my laptop as I'm watching Aaron Judge because, yeah, if you're Amazon Prime, we talked about this with Apple TV, they paid for baseball for moments like they're going to have tonight in the Bronx, Yankees, Red Sox, Aaron Judge, history on the line. Well, Amazon Prime, when they paid for Thursday night football and they knew they were going to get a get a game like Pittsburgh and Cleveland, a huge rivalry game, and I'm sure it did great numbers, there's no way they wanted Mitch Trubisky against Jacoby Brissett. That's not a game that anyone's sitting locked into unless you're a Pittsburgh fan or a Cleveland fan, which I'm acknowledging there are a lot of. But George Pickens makes arguably the catch of the year, probably will be the catch of the year. People are comparing it to the Odell Beckham catch right away on the broadcast they were mentioning it, and it was that good. This guy is showing flashes that he could be a really, really great wide receiver. And you remember, it was early in Odell Beckham's career when he made that catch, and that's when his career really took off. He became one of those guys in the NFL that all of a sudden was feared as one of the top receivers in the league. And it really took off from that game on Sunday Night Football on a national stage where he made that catch. This could happen for George Pickens. He could become that guy. And he could become a guy that Mitch Trubisky relies on to just chuck it up and go get it. Or throws a slant over the middle on a third and ten. And he turns it into an 80-yard touchdown catch and run. So he looks like he could be that guy, George Pickens. And that was an unbelievable catch. Now watching the game, another thing that stood out to me is 
I think it's fair to say Mitch Trubisky is better than Ben Roethlisberger was at any point last year. Ben is not great. Um, he was near the end. We know that. He was at the end, I guess. Um, and Mitch Trubisky, just his mobility and what he's able to do, it's definitely better than Ben was last year. But that doesn't mean it's particularly good. Pittsburgh, like I said, this is going to be a tough, tough time for them to get over 500, especially without TJ Watt for a little bit longer. We know Mike Tomlin has some history on the line. He's never been under 500. This could be a tough year for him to try and go 9-8. and eight. Now, my pick did not hit, but at the end of the game, there was an interesting scenario where it was 4th and 5, and the Browns had 12 men on the field. Now, if you're a Browns fan, the PTSD, whatever is going through your mind at that point, we're like, are you kidding me? We're going to give them a first down, a chance to go for the touchdown, down only 9 points. Oh my God, how is this happening again? But instead, on 4th and 1, there's a long decision, and ultimately, the right football move was to kick the field goal, because you're still only down 6. You have to recover an onside kick anyway. So they do that, they kick the field goal, they get the three points. But there was a moment there where I'm like, oh my God, they might get a first down. Or even on fourth and one, they might go for it and try and get a touchdown. And if they do try and get a touchdown, then ultimately they cover at least, right? At least they would have covered. Although with the crazy touchdown on the laterals at the end, they wouldn't have covered, I guess. But they decide to kick the field goal. I was holding my breath like, oh my God, I could actually cover. I had Pittsburgh plus five and a half in this game. I told you I thought Cleveland was going to win, but I thought Pittsburgh would keep it close. They kind of did, but they kicked the field goal there. Um, obviously, the last touchdown is misleading. The final score really was 23 to 17, but then, of course, it becomes 29 to 17. But even on the onside kick, the Browns fans thinking about last week as the ball's just sitting there in the open for anyone to take. Can you imagine being a Browns fan? Like, oh my God, just pick up the ball and finally they knock it out of bounds. That to me was, oh my God, that was crazy. If you're a Browns fan, you're sitting there, you're probably losing your mind. Like the ball's right there, just pick it up. Major PTSD on that uh, onside kick. And for the Browns, I said this last week, and I kind of was like, oh, they keep browning, blah, 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 classic. But if they can hold it together, and just keep this pace. Right now they're 2-1. and one. If they could just, like I said, stay around 500. By the time Deshaun Watson comes back, they have a real, real chance at making the playoffs and even making a run in the playoffs. Because it seems like everyone around this team, with the two running backs, with the wide receivers, with Njoku, they have some real talent. Amari Cooper's looks good. Obviously, Hunt, Chubb, their defensive line gets after it. Their defensive backs are pretty good. Njoku, like I said, has looked good. If they can keep it together... All they have to do is bring in Deshaun Watson and hope he's the same guy because you have all that money guaranteed. And they talked about it on the broadcast that there are still a couple of ways that the suspension could get extended beyond the 11 games. If he doesn't go to the therapy, if he starts to use massage therapists that are not part of the team massage therapists, there are ways that he could end up getting suspended for longer. And then there's also the op- the possibility that after two pl- years of playing football, he just doesn't look the same and he's a little bit rusty. There's that op- there's that possibility. We don't know for sure. But assuming he's the same guy and the talent is transcendent and transcends all the mess that we've seen over the last two years with Deshaun Watson, I'm not rooting for a guy like that, but that team could be a really, really good football team. And like I said, it's one thing to root for your football team. I get that as a sports fan. The fact that they're kind of rooting for him and getting behind him and everything he's done, that's a little bit weird <laughs> only in Cleveland. So maybe Carmer's a bitch. Maybe he comes back and he sucks. And you're still on the book for $230 million guaranteed. You give him a fully guaranteed contract. But maybe not. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But I think they'll definitely put themselves in a position to find out. I mean, we're going to find out one way or another if he's the guy when he comes back because I think this team is going to be hanging in there right till he gets back. 
All right, to Sunday's games and my picks, and I'm going to start again with, you guessed it, my Jets. And while I think the Jets can win this game, I think this is a very winnable game for the Jets. I think Cincinnati has shown they have real problems on their offensive line. They have another injury. I think they have problems on the defensive side of the ball. I think this Jets team has a lot of talent on the offensive side, has a lot of talent on the defensive side, especially up front. And in the secondary, they're decent. The safeties aren't great, but they have a decent secondary with the corners being really good. But that's just what it is. Every time you expect the Jets to win a game, that's when they break your heart. That's when you lose. So last week, when they had zero chance of coming back in that game, they come back and they win that game. But this week, where they're expected to win, yeah, sure, the Jets are going to get blown out. And there's no way in my mind that Cincinnati can start the season 0-3. After last year, after going to the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow is one of those athletes who when he gets down and when you count him out, that's when he starts getting going. And that's when he's like, that's when he turns it on. And he's like, hey, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you who's boss. To me, this is one of those games. Joe Burrow goes off for 500 yards and six touchdowns. The line is Cincinnati minus six and a half. And while I think that's a huge line and this is a very winnable game for the Jets, I'm going to take Cincinnati. I think they'll win by three touchdowns, maybe. Joe Burrow, maybe we're wrong. Maybe this Cincinnati team is not as good. I don't think they're this bad, though. I think they're going to come out and make a statement game in New York. They're not going to be 0-3. The Jets are going to be 1-2. The Cincinnati Bengals will also be 1-2. But I think this is one of those games where the Bengals win 35-14, to something like that. We're going to see Joe Flacco throwing multiple interceptions in this game, and we're going to be happy to have Zach Wilson back the following week. Houston is going to be at Chicago, and Houston is plus two and a half. Chicago's favored by minus two and a half, and after seeing what they did against the Packers on Sunday night and how they handled Mitch Trubisky, I don't think there's any way they even keep this close. I'm going to take Houston plus two and a half, and I think they could actually cover and win this game, but at least they cover the two and a half. I'm going to take Houston this game. I don't think Houston's as bad as we think, although they didn't look great against Denver, but they kept that game close too. So maybe I wouldn't take Houston money line, but I'm going to take Houston plus two and a half. Las Vegas is at Tennessee with two teams who have looked totally dysfunctional and totally lost to start the season. I was on Las Vegas early the first couple games this year. Now Las Vegas is favored, minus two and a half again. I'm going to actually take Tennessee. Something interesting that Aaron Rodgers said this week, he's like, do they still have Mike Vrabel? He's like, yeah, they still have Mike Vrabel. So yeah, I'm still going to stick with Tennessee. They're a well-coached team. There's something to that, a team that has pride, a team that's well-coached. I don't think they're a great team. I think they don't have a ton of talent, but I'm going to take Tennessee plus two and a half at home against a team that's shown to be really dysfunctional in the Las Vegas Raiders and not a great return to coaching as a head coach for Mike McDaniels. He might be back as the Patriots offensive coordinator by week six. Kansas City is favored minus six and a half in Indianapolis. And I'm going to take Kansas City. I think Kansas City is going to put up 50 points in this game. I think Indianapolis is awful. I think Frank Reich might get fired on the field at the end of this game. That's how bad it is. I think Indianapolis is atrocious at this point and I think the Matt Ryan experiment is going to prove to be a real mistake for them they're going to have to start over we know like we talked about on last episode there was some talent there there was an opportunity for them to take advantage we know Andrew Luck walked out on them but that was four years ago already at this point you have to move on as an organization and I think they need a reset and this team I think might be one of the worst teams in the NFL Buffalo is at Miami Miami is plus five and a half I'm going to take them I think they'll keep it close The over-under in this game, actually, for total points is 52.5, and and I think this is going to be over. I think the final score will probably be like Buffalo 38-35. I think it'll be a shootout, one of the most entertaining games. Sucks that it's at 1 o'clock on Sunday, 
Maybe if this game was like a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night, it would be even more fun. But I think Buffalo wins. I think Miami covers. I think it's like a three-point game. Like I said, a 38-35. I'm going to take Miami plus 5.5 parlayed with the over 52.5 in this game. Baltimore is at New England, and Baltimore is minus 1.5. I wouldn't necessarily bet it, but if I had to bet it, I would bet Baltimore money line. The thing is about these games, it's New England's first game at home. I feel like Belichick is always great in his home openers. And I feel like he has the ability to take advantage of a team that has shown two things. One, they are very immature in the secondary and lack communication in the secondary. And two, they cannot close out games on the ground. So even though I trust Baltimore to get a lead in this game, I think they're a better team all around than the New England Patriots. I don't see them having an ability to close out this game. And that's why I like New England. I still like Baltimore, but I just wouldn't bet it. Uh, So that's why I think Baltimore money line is the way I would bet it. New Orleans is at Carolina. New Orleans is minus two and a half. And I think the Panthers are really bad. I don't trust Baker Mayfield. I don't like him that much. And I think in the first couple weeks, they showed you they're a pretty bad football team. So I have New Orleans minus two and a half in this game. They haven't proven to be great, but I think they will win this game and cover the two and a half. And I hope Taysom Hill does something because I picked him up to play tight end for me instead of Dalton Schultz. Detroit is at Minnesota, and Minnesota's minus five and a half. And I'm kind of shocked by that line because I thought Vegas would jump to conclusions after that loss that they just had in Minnesota and Kirk Cousins looking as much as Kirk Cousins as we've ever seen on a Monday night. But Vegas knows. It's Sunday afternoon, and they're at home, and nobody's going to be watching this game, which means Kirk Cousins is going to be back to being a great quarterback. People are going to overreact to Detroit's win last week at home. But Detroit's not as good as people think. Minnesota minus five and a half. I'm actually going to take Minnesota. I think they'll be back to being a well-oiled machine on offense. And people are going to all of a sudden fall back in love with them. Just to remember that Kirk Cousins will screw you next time he's in prime time. Philadelphia is at Washington. And Philly is minus six and a half. And I already told you, keep riding this. If they're going to give us small lines on Washington, which relatively small, less than a touchdown, take it. Because Washington, they're a really crappy football team. Philadelphia minus six and a half, taking it all day. I think Philly wins and blows out the Commanders. That's it for the one o'clock games. Next is there is one 405 start, and then there's a bunch of 425. The only 405 start is Jacksonville at the Chargers. Do we know that Herbert is necessarily okay? The doctor that's dealing with him is the same guy who just got sued by Tyra Taylor. Jacksonville's plus seven and a half. I love Jacksonville. I think they could win that division. I told you that. And like I said, I don't think. Th- the Chargers are that great. I think the Chargers will find a way to win this game, but I think the Jacksonville Jaguars will find a way to keep it close. I'm taking Jacksonville plus seven in this game. Atlanta is at Seattle. I'm going to take Atlanta money line in this game. The line is only plus one for Atlanta, so you might as well take the money line. Seattle, like I said, is one of those teams. I thought they're, after winning the first game of the season, that was their Super Bowl. I think they have the one of the worst rosters in football. I think they'll go 0-17 or 0-16 the rest of the way and end the season 1-16. I have Atlanta winning this game against Seattle. Green Bay is plus one and a half at Tampa Bay. I'm going to take Green Bay money line in this game. I think Green Bay will actually beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Tampa Bay's offense still has a lot they need to figure out. I think Tampa Bay is going to be missing Mike Evans, and that's going to be a huge problem for them, especially in the red zone. I think this is going to be one of those games where Tom Brady is frustrated the entire game. They can't finish drives. They're settling for field goals instead of getting touchdowns. And I think Aaron Rodgers will find a way to beat Tom Brady finally 
and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this game. So I'm going to take the Packers. And I think this is one of those games that leads to Rob Gronkowski ultimately coming back and signing with the Patriots as a red zone threat, or not the Patriots, I'm so used to him coming back to the Pets, coming back to Tom Brady and the Bucks and signing as a red zone threat for them for the rest of the season. The LA Rams are at the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals are plus three and a half, so there wasn't a crazy overreaction to that wild, unlikely victory from Kyler Murray, but the Rams couldn't close out their game. They're very similar to the Baltimore Ravens where they don't have a running game to close out the games. So if they can't close out the game and Kyler does his magic at the end, I'm going to take Arizona plus three and a half. Maybe they don't win, but at least they'll do the same thing that happened to the Rams last week and they'll find a way to cover that line by making it close at the end. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I'm the one who's overreacting to one game from Kyler, but I think he finds a way to make some magic happen. Like I said, he's the only player in the NFL right now who's kind of like an NBA player who can put a team on his back at the end of the game and carry them uh, and just at least make it respectable. He's really the, the throw on the second two-point conversion was even more impressive than the run on the first two-point conversion. I think they're a terrible roster. I think they're poorly coached by Cliff Kingsbury, but I think Kyler will make it close at the end of this game. So I'm going to take Arizona plus three and a half. Maybe they lose by a point or three points, but they do cover the plus three and a half. Sunday night football, San Francisco is at Denver, and Denver has shown me nothing to think that they are a good football team capable of winning games. At San Francisco, minus one and a half is the line. I'm going to take that. I think San Francisco will blow them out, and I keep saying this. San Francisco, if they've proven one thing, it's that when Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback for them, they win football games. So I'm going to take San Francisco minus one and a half. Now, I'm going to give you Monday night football also because, like I said, I'm not going to be recording on Monday. There's no Monday podcast this week because of the Jewish holidays, so there will be a Wednesday podcast. I'm going to keep repeating it so that you know. Um, And Monday Night Football is the Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants. Dallas is plus one and a half. I'm going to take the Dallas money line. Cooper Rush has never lost a game in his NFL career as a starter. He's 1-0 or 2-0. Like I told you, I think the Giants have a legitimate chance of being 3-0, being 4-0 even, but I think this is a game where it's kind of a trap game for them a young team on a Monday night. This is a game, a huge game for the Giants where they can actually prove and prove me wrong and prove that they are a real legitimate contender in this league. But I don't know how much I trust the Giants. And so I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys to win this game. Now, I like to do this because I feel like a lot of times I talk about my bets and my picks, but I don't give you what I actually bet. And so if I don't give you what I actually bet, then what's the point? So I'm going to tell you what my actual bets were. Maybe they're different than what my picks for the games were. So maybe I'm hedging a little bit. Um, But just so that you could keep me honest. I have actually Buffalo minus five and a half parlayed with the over. I kept it consistent with the over, but um, I still think Miami will keep it close. But uh, for this bet, it made more sense to take the minus five and a half and the over. I do have Kansas City minus six and a half straight up. Like I told you, I think that's going to be an easy win. I have the Houston Texans money line. Like I told you, also, I actually bet that Texans money line against the Chicago Bears. That makes a ton of sense to me. And then I have parlayed. I have the Green Bay Packers money line parlayed with the San Francisco 49ers money line. I love that bet. I think the Packers and the Niners are both going to win. I did not take the Jacksonville Jaguars plus seven. I probably should have. I love that bet as much as I love any bet going up against the Chargers. But um, those are my actual bets. So let me repeat it. I have Packers money line, Niners money line, Texans money line, 
And then I have Kansas City minus six and a half and the Bills parlayed with the over. Uh, so that should work out pretty well for me. I like all those bets. Should have done Bills money line because I do think they'll cover the money line, but maybe not the spread. And that'll do it for me on this episode. A little bit of a shorter episode, like I said, because we have the holidays coming up. I did a longer episode on Wednesday, so you won't be hearing from me till next Wednesday. So until then, like, subscribe, share it if you like it. Also, again, we're running a giveaway. If you want tickets, free tickets to see the Jets, who wouldn't want that? Go to our page on Instagram and on Twitter and enter the raffle. Until next time, see ya. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your eyes Like I'm standing in the sky I see your subway cars and your old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go Change it oh, oh, oh. Always on my road I'm still New York You're the only oh, oh, oh. That I'll ever know oh, oh. My concrete walls I'm still New York I'm still New York Ooh. Oh, I'm still New York yeah. I wanna drive down Side. See the birds flying on the high line With the sidewalks burning, we pray for rain in July I want the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks on a sold out night When the curtains close and the Broadway streets are alive hey. I need your heartbeat close, don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air when I land in another city And I'll be
I'm still here.